I don't know that if there has been any greater time in our world that the church needs to be together and praying for our family, our friends, uh, this city, the state, our nation, other parts of the world itself, the world itself, that I don't think there's any greater time and need for the body of Christ to come together to lift up our voices in prayer than the day and age that we live in. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. All right, this year we've been working our way through the book of Romans. I accomplished that a few weeks ago, but I cannot get myself out of the epistle of Romans. I just kind of want to spend another week or two looking at some topical messages coming from the book of Romans. I don't, as I said, the Romans wrote last week. This week we're going to be looking at prayer and the prayers of the book of Romans. There were five places where Paul talked about his prayers or encouraged the believers to pray. A significant part of whatever we might be or become in the future of this fellowship, that prayer is a necessity of the church itself. And we talk about praying and the importance of prayer, but we're going to see today here in the book of Romans, and to be honest with you, the message is a little shorter than normal, but that doesn't mean anything as I script out a message. We'll see how that works out. But I really didn't want it to go extraordinarily long, I actually would like to leave us time to pray. I think it'd be more important to learn about the prayers in the book of Romans and then actually act upon them and actually pray and take some time to pray today as a church body. I don't know that if there has been any greater time in our world that the church needs to be together and praying for our family, our friends, Uh, This city, the state, our nation, uh, other parts of the world itself, the world itself, that I don't think there's any greater time and need for the body of Christ to come together to lift up our voices in prayer than the day and age that we live in. And we discover here in the United States and through Pew Research saying that there are less who are claiming faith in Christ in the United States than there were 10 years ago. And there's a couple of things that really, I think I have been 
seen it. We didn't need a poll to recognize it, but it's always good to have the statistical numbers to agree with what we're seeing. And the numbers itself, 10 years ago, 75% of the United States claimed Christianity as their faith or religion. And now the number is 65%. So we've had a 10% drop. But also those who claim no religion has risen to 26%, I believe is the number. So that is increasing. It makes sense if you're going to have Christianity dropping, something needs to increase to replace it. And there are those of no faith. And another statistic that came out in the same report, and they were talking about how the church for decades have depended upon children being raised up in church and just statistically watching kids who are raised up in church once they become a teenager or even before uh, graduating high school, they leave the church, but as they become parents, get married and have a family, they return to the church. They said that is not happening anymore. They are leaving, but not returning. And so the poll on this was basically saying that churches have been dependent on the late 20s or early 30-somethings coming back. But now they're not coming back. So again, these statistics show that the church here in the United States, it's struggling in a huge way. And I think one of the ways that we are able to combat this is through prayer. It's not by doing nothing, but by our prayers that we begin the work. Sometimes we need to know how we ought to pray, as we'll discover today, what we should be praying for, and then to commit to those prayers. As we were doing worship, I was thinking of a bricklayer that I used to work with that lived in Antioch. I, at the time, lived probably over in Beach Park or Zion area. But I'd seen him later at some point, and he had become a believer in Jesus Christ. And one of the things that I've always remembered, it was wonderful that he came to faith in Jesus Christ. He knew all along that I was a Christian, so he wanted to tell me of that. But one of the things that I've never forgotten of what he said, he said, you know, when I came to church, the people told me, we have been praying for you for years. And I think sometimes we might give up on our prayers. And I think it's so important for us to not give up, but to commit. Today, I want us to look at the prayers from the book of Romans. And we're going to see in our first point, unceasing prayers in Romans 1, 9. In Romans 8, 26 and 27, spirit-guided prayers. In Romans 10, 1, prayers of longing. In Romans 12, 9 through 13, continue steadfastly in prayers. And in Romans 15, 30 and 31, strive together in prayers. So I'll go ahead and read our first verse and open us up in prayer. And we'll begin to look at the prayers of the book of Romans. Romans chapter 1, verse 9 says, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit, in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing, 
I make mention of you always in my prayers. Father, I pray that you would just be with us and encourage us today. Lord, in our own prayer life, that we come to the last few months of this year. Lord, it's a great time to just consider our own prayer life. And so I ask, Lord, that you would be with us and this message would not be in discouragement, but Lord, actually an encouragement to us that you would help us, Lord, as we close out this year and come to a new year, that, Lord, you would just work in us a people who desire to have a culture of prayer here at Calvary Chapel of Lake Villa. It's my prayer, Lord. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. So at the beginning of the letter, as Paul is introducing himself, remember, as Paul wrote to the believers in Rome, he had never visited them as a church. He is not the founder of this church. He had heard about them. He had met people from the church. We learned that by the, I believe it was 36 names that he mentioned in Romans chapter 16 of people who were very familiar to the believers there in Rome. His friends Aquila and Priscilla came from Rome when Paul first met them in Corinth, and they became ministry partners, uh, working together not only in the ministry, but also in the same trade as tent makers. But he had no doubt heard a lot about the church in Rome itself. And he begins by saying to them, God is my witness, whom I serve in my spirit in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing, I make mention of you always in my prayers. Like Paul, there are a lot of people who have used this phrase, oh, God is my witness. And oftentimes when I have heard that phrase being used, it's kind of like, may lightning strike me if I'm lying. They're trying to prove that the truth of the situation that they're in. In actuality, if God would come to be their witness and testify on their behalf, often it might result in their condemnation. We learned last week in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But Paul uses this phrase here at the beginning of his gospel to reassure the Roman believers of his sincerity toward them. He was praying for them in Romans 1 verses 10 and 11, Paul lists out four specific things that he desired to accomplish as he visited Rome. He wanted to impart a spiritual gift to the Roman believers. He wanted to help establish them to find joint encouragement or comfort of their mutual faith, and he wanted to have fruit among them. So he wanted to impart some spiritual gift to them. He wanted to help establish them in their faith. He wanted to have a mutual uh, comfort or encouragement with them. And he wanted fruit among them. And no doubt these four things were upon Paul's heart as he prayed without ceasing for the believers in Rome. I have to believe if, you know, Paul lists them out. These are the things that I'm praying for you that they were daily upon his heart as he prayed for the believers there. But this was Paul's way. Paul often would mention in his epistles to the churches, many of these that he founded in the church of Ephesus and Philippi and Colossae and Thessalonica for his friend Philemon, 
of all these, he said, I pray for you without ceasing. You're always on my heart. I'm always praying for you. In his epistle to the Ephesians, we get a glimpse of this unceasing prayer. He said there in Ephesians 1 verses 15 through 19, Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward those who believe. Paul prayed for the believers in Ephesus this unceasing prayer that through their joint faith that he had, he prayed for them that they would receive a spirit of wisdom, of revelation of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, that they might have the hope of the calling of Christ upon their lives, that they may know the riches of the glory of the inheritance that awaits for the saints, that there may be the exceeding greatness of the power that God has toward believers in Jesus Christ, that according to the working of this mighty power, I think those are great things to be praying for one another. Wouldn't you like to have a little more wisdom concerning the word of God? How about a little more revelation in the word of God itself that you would be able to comprehend the riches of the glory of the inheritance that we will one day receive through Christ Jesus our Lord? Or how about this, to have the power of the Holy Spirit working through your lives, through your words? Paul's continual prayer for the believers of Rome and that of Ephesus, it reminded me of Samuel who prayed continually for the children of Israel. Even though at this point, the prophet Samuel had felt rejected by the nation of Israel, Samuel said these words to the children of Israel in 1 Samuel 12, 23. Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. But I will teach you the good and the right way. Even though at this point in Samuel's life, he felt rejected by Israel. And the reason he felt rejected is because Israel did not want to see Samuel's sons put in a position of authority over them like Samuel had over them. And Samuel's sons were not good boys. So I understand why they did not they did not want that. They be asked for a king instead. But Samuel said, I'm going to do and continue to do three things for you. I'm going to continue to pray for you. And I'm going to teach you, I guess, two things, teach you the good and the right way. And one thing that I have learned about prayer, it is better to take time to pray than to not pray. For it is through our daily prayers that we develop a more effective prayer life. And may it be that the hallmark of our church would be seen through our unceasing prayers for one another. 
Secondly, we discover in Romans chapter 8, verses 26 through 28, that the Holy Spirit comes alongside and helps us in our prayers. So I titled this Spirit-Guided Prayers. And the Word tells us in Romans 8, 26, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So when we come to the Lord and, and say to the Lord, I just want to have a greater prayer life. Would you help me in this? The Bible tells us that the Spirit comes alongside, that the Spirit will come alongside and help us. You know, it has been said that at some point, everyone prays, whether they pray to themselves, to another person, to a false God, or to the true and living God who created the heavens and the earth. Even atheists at times will pray. And although everyone prays, our weaknesses are seen by our not knowing what we should pray for. I was thinking of, I said, even atheists will pray. And my cousin, he has um, a fungal infection in one of his lungs. And to deal with this and what they're doing, it's going to be medications for a year, year and a half to kind of rid his body of this. But one of his close friends, he's, he was telling me, one of his close friends is an atheist. And as they were getting ready to get off a phone call, the atheist said to my cousin, Ken, I'll pray for you. And he said, well, who are you going to be praying to? Is something changing in your life? And the atheist said, I am not sure. For an atheist to say, I'll pray for you, he's praying to somebody who's he going to pray to. So at some point, everyone prays. But with the Christians, we, we know who to pray to. But sometimes we don't know what to pray for, how we should pray. We feel weak in our prayers. The Bible Knowledge Commentary concerning this, it says, it is not that the Spirit helps those in occasional times when Christians are weak. Listen to this. Their state is one of weakness and the Spirit continually helps them. We're always weak, is what the Bible Knowledge Commentary said about this. Our state is one of weakness, and the Spirit comes alongside to continually help us. When we pray, the Spirit comes alongside to help us in our weaknesses by making intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And don't you love it? that the Holy Spirit makes these intercessions for us before the throne of God with inexpressible words, as Ephesians 6.18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. We are to be praying, always praying in prayers and supplication in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit makes intercession for us for he who searches the heart knows what is the mind of the Spirit, 
because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Romans 8, 27, the Holy Spirit making intercession for believers according to the will of God. In 1 Corinthians 2, verses 10 and 11, the Bible tells us, but God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of man except the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Just as you know what's in your own spirit, soul, in your heart, and your mind, the Holy Spirit, knowing the things of God, he prays according to the will of God. Not only does the Holy Spirit come alongside and help us in our weaknesses, the Bible tells us that God the Son is also praying for us, making intercession for us. In Hebrews 7.25, it tells us he is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for us. We think about praying, and however that prayer position might be, of kneeling down or sitting down or walking uh, some path here in a forest preserve, but we pray, it could be while we're driving in a car, that the Lord Jesus Christ is making intercession for us, whether we're praying or not. That the Holy Spirit is willing to come alongside to help us in our weaknesses. Andrew Murray, when speaking about prayer, he said, let us thank God heartily as often as we pray that we have his spirit to teach us to pray. Thanksgiving will draw our hearts out to God and keep us engaged with him. It will take our attention from ourselves and give the spirit room in our hearts. He said, Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving will draw our hearts out to God and keep us engaged with him. It takes our attention from ourselves and gives the spirit room to work in our hearts. This is why when I like to pray, when I'm, it doesn't happen all the time, but I do it a lot. When I pray, I'll have either a notebook, a blank piece of paper with me, a Bible and a pen already. I often have these three things. If I'm gonna pray, for me, prayer time is have the word of God near, ready to go in case the Lord wants to show me something while I'm praying. I wanna be able to look it up and to read the verse. I don't wanna get into an in-depth Bible study and the paper and the pen helps prevent that. That I'll just write down the scripture sometimes or write down the thought of the scripture. Maybe I don't know where it's found in the Bible and I need my concordance to help me find the passage, but I know a word or two of what he's putting on my heart and I'll write that down that I can look it up later. But also that paper and pen is nearby and ready because it could be that there is a name that he would put on my heart, that he'd have me to pray for a person or individual. While I was praying this week, there were four names that I wrote down in one of my prayer sessions like this. It helps me not only to pray for that individual at that hour, but also to remember to pray for them uh, throughout the week. And thus my Bible is near, ready to write down what the Spirit would put upon my heart, that I'd be able to pray by the guidance of the Holy Spirit, 
perhaps names of individuals, families, situations that I should be praying about because we are all in that state of weakness. And sometimes we do not know what we ought to be praying for, so we seek the Lord to guide us. It may be that the Holy Spirit would guide us in our prayers for one another. My heart's desire is to see that the hallmark of this church would be seen through our unceasing prayers for one another. And may it be that we would strive together with one another in our prayers, that we would see God's will accomplished in our lives. And Father, we pray that you would be with us now, Lord, as we close out in the last song of worship. I ask, Lord, that you would be with us. We, Father, we have prayed, had people leading in prayer today. Now, Father, it's time for us to act upon the things that we have learned and to actually pray. So, Father, I pray that you would be with us now. Give us hearts that would seek you in prayer at this hour. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into his image by the power of his Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.